right. Uh, always uh, great having them. Uh, I tell you, I've got a lot of calls saying, "Hey, can you make it permanent, please? We want to get, we want to hear Levine." Uh, so we're going to make that happen. And uh, always great having Assemblyman Charles Levine. Uh, presides over the 13th District. Uh, he's the chair of the Committee on Judiciary, uh, Ethics, Guidance, Committee Rules, Codes, uh, I think Insurance, too, if memory serves me correct, and maybe some others, uh, committees as well. Not enough, uh, uh, not enough time in the day uh, for Mr. Levine and for the uh, fine assembly, but nice enough to give us a couple here on a Friday morning. Sir, how are you? Jay, I'm doing fine, and it's Chuck, and um, and you know that. <laughs> I know that. So I hope all is well, my friend. All is good. All is go good. You know, you, uh, all I want to do is relax this weekend, Chuck, and watch the Super Bowl, and then I get inundated last night with all kinds of stuff. There's never a dull day for anything going on here. L- life gets in the way. I'm telling you. Hey, let's uh, let's focus in a little bit on Albany. We, you know, the big discussion, you know, was the foundation aid and the cuts and everything else. And who knows with his budget, um, it'll go back and forth. You got a lot of pushback, Chuck. You know that uh, people are up in arms saying, "Hey, wait a minute, now. Let's see. You can't touch the schools here." Um, you know, Governor. You know, not for nothing, but. $2.4 billion going to the migrant crisis. Um, what about our schools? Are you really cutting the foundation aid here? You know, the formula I'm talking about here. Uh, so that's that's been a big discussion. i got to be honest with you, Chuck, over the last couple of weeks. You uh, always give me are. your sense of things. Go ahead. Talk you to always us. are honest with me. So a couple of things. Foundation aid, um, which is the aid that goes to our schools is determined by an elaborate formula that takes into consideration wealth of a community, cost of living, student need, and the regional economics of whatever region the school districts are in. So this year, out of a budget of $233 billion, and that's billion with a B, A historic amount is, is in fact, going to public education. And that is 35, a little over $35 billion, which is an increase over last year, somewhere between 2 and 2.5%. And in terms of real dollars, that uh, boils down to over uh, half a billion dollars uh, additional. Uh, of course, we know that in New York State we have uh, 700 school districts and um, roughly 2.5 million uh, school children uh, who have to be educated. So the problem this year, however, is this, that after spending record amounts over the last two years uh, on public education, which was necessary because we're still we're still countering the effects, fighting the effects of the COVID, COVID um, uh, epidemic. Um, so what's happened this year is that the governor uh, is projecting to spend less um, than, many, than most of the districts want. And what has happened is that even though there is this increase of half a billion, a little uh, more than half a billion dollars, half the districts are getting less money than they got last year. The other half are roughly even or slightly ahead. And what the governor is intending to do and what she's talking about is this, that an essential factor that has contributed to public education in the state of New York uh, has been what's called the hold or save harmless uh, policy, 
which means that districts have always relied on, or recently relied on anyway, over the course of the last five to eight years, on getting at least as much as they had gotten the year before. So um, this now is uh, not going to be the uh, governor's policy. And uh, as uh, my friend Fred Thiel from Sag Harbor out in Suffolk County has said, he's not voting on any budget for any budget that's going to reduce spending to individual schools. So I think there's much to be said for what uh, uh, Fred uh, has observed. And I think that the governor uh, knows that the Senate and the Assembly will negotiate uh, the budget because it's three parties to this agreement. Uh, And um, I am confident that at the end of the day, when we do adopt the final budget, that our school districts are going to be okay. Uh, Interestingly enough, um, the regents and the regents uh, determine educational policy in the state of New York as opposed to some states where it's the legislatures uh, who determine educational policy, which is uh, truly a recipe for disaster. Um, So the regents uh, want to revamp this foundation aid formula because it is out of date and we've known it's out of date for many, many years. Um, So that is a step in the right direction. And again, I am pretty sure in fact, I'm completely confident that the end, at the end of the day that we're going to see public education uh, in New York State doing just fine. And, you know, when you think about it, you don't want any more hits taken to that because of all that has gone on over the last couple of years, especially with COVID and the remote learning and the scores and everything else right now. Uh, exactly. You, know, you exactly. want to make sure that all hands are on deck there regarding our kids and schools and everything else getting up to speed. Now, with that being said, sir, uh, are you happy with the $2.4 billion, uh, that has been slotted now for this uh, migrant crisis right now in New York? Uh, that's a good question, and it's asked very skillfully, Jay. Am I happy with it? Let's put it this way. I'm not happy with the fact that uh, New York uh, is um, uh, forced uh, to provide for um, all these folks. This is a failure. And it's been obvious this week. This is a failure of policy coming out of the United States House of Representatives. The Senate had adopted a bipartisan plan, uh, and that was uh, uh, put together by Jim Lankford, one of the most conservative members of the United States Senate, and Senator Chuck Schumer, that the House of Representatives will not touch and we know the reasons they won't touch it. So we are saddled uh, with this uh, this dilemma. <clears throat> to be sure, we can't just ignore the fact that we have um, uh, migrants here uh, in New York State, uh, not only in the New York City, but throughout the state. So we've got to do something to provide for them. Now, um, I know that... Uh, uh, a lot of my Republican colleagues uh, are um, uh, up in arms over the fact that, as they present it, um, we had a choice, according to them. The choice was to spend more money, uh, $2.4 uh, billion on public education, or spend that money uh, to provide for the needs of all these people who have come to New York. So uh, this reminds me of uh, the story of uh, uh, what happened when, uh, believe it or not, uh, the Normans uh, invaded um, England 
uh, more than a thousand years ago. And of course, the Normans brought with them uh, the sport of fox hunting. Uh, the Saxons, uh, who uh, lived in uh, England, didn't know anything about fox hunting, but they were quite amused at the fact that their oppressors, the Normans, uh, used to uh, release foxes and then chase them uh, on horseback with dogs. So uh, legend has it that the Normans, um, uh, while they were chasing their foxes, had trouble because the dogs would lose the scent. Um, and um, legend has it that that is because the Saxons used to take a dried red herring and drag it over the trails so that the dogs would lose their, uh, lose their scent. So um, it is a distraction to set up the proposition that we are uh, disadvantaging uh, our children because we have to take care of um, what is really a federal responsibility of uh, the migrants who are here. It also assumes that that $2.4 billion would be spent on public education or education in general, and it neglects the fact that uh, spending of the state, uh, state spending goes not simply on education, uh, but on the environment, on water protection, on prisons, on the state police, on senior s- services, on the hospitals, on the bridges, the roads, the tunnels, uh, our parks. Uh, and uh, there's a long litany of other uh, expenses that the state has to pay. So I don't uh, put much value in, the, in that um, uh, uh, analysis or proposed purported analysis is a better word uh, by many of my Republican colleagues. Uh- one point of contention, I, I will disagree with you. I know Langford and, and uh, something on the table as far as a possible uh, deal. Uh, you know, let, let me say this, Chuck, and, and listen, we, the, the, it, the inundated process of what we have seen here is just overwhelming. The price tag, the $12 billion uh, plus uh, of what it will equate to in 2025, uh, quite frankly, you know, personally, I don't like the deal. I don't like the deal at all because you're still letting, uh, what, up to 5,000 uh, individuals in here a day. And, you know, fast forward that over a year, that's 2 million or so. We just can't can't allow that at this point in time. I, I just don't understand why we can't do a full stop sign on this. Halt and discuss. Halt and discuss. That's all it, you know, let's have a discussion. Sensible discussion. Common sense discussion. That's all. Common so there's sense much, there's to much me to be said. part of the equation that we don't see anymore in government. And until we get that back, we will never solve issues of this nature, sir. We have been grappling with this problem uh, since the days of Reagan. Because Ronald Reagan had the political courage to modify the immigration laws to make them at that point better, uh, and, and unless and until uh, there is a House of Representatives uh, that's composed of people who will uh, have the the courage uh, to engage in the discussions that are necessary to adopt modern programs uh, dealing with uh, immigration, we will face the same. We will face the same crisis over and over and over again. So um, New York is uh, one of the states um, uh, that is left to grapple uh, with the hard reality that um, uh, these uh, new people, the, the migrants, uh, have to be provide. They have to be provided for, and we're doing our best to do that. All right. 
Uh, we're talking with Assemblyman Chuck Levine of the uh, 13th uh, District. Uh, keeping a close eye, we all are on uh, this uh, special election uh, coming up, Chuck, on Tuesday. Uh, you got uh, Tom Swazi back in the mix, right? Uh, Mazzy Pillup, uh, all in all, legislator uh, in Nassau, uh, and a battle going on. And a lot of backing as far as money is concerned regarding uh, Mazzy uh, Pillip and Tom Swazi, you know, wants to regain that seat. Um, you had a little bit of a debate last night. I caught a little bit of it. Uh, but the back and forth, it goes. And I know you're keeping an eye on this. Very important one. Are you going to ask me if I miss my uh, old congressman, George Santos? Well, I'm, <laughs> listen, uh, far better than me than to ask you a question of that. But while, you, while I got you here, yeah. <laughs> well... I do miss Santos in a way, but only from a comedic, a comedy uh, uh, perspective. Um, so this is a very, very interesting race, a fascinating race, uh, w- which is drawing uh, true national attention. And um, uh, I know Mozzie. I have uh, met her. Uh, she's a perfectly pleasant person. Um, she lacks uh, any sense of um, uh, knowledge uh, about how government uh, works um, on any level. Uh, Swazi, on the other hand, uh, has been around for a long time. We know him. We know he's competent. When he was uh, our congressman, he ran a very, very good office. And uh, we worked very closely with him on any number of con- real constituent problems. Uh, that, of course, came to a complete end when um, he left uh, the House, and uh, we ended up with Santos. We couldn't work with Santos uh, at all on any level. It took us months to even figure out who were the, was the contact person uh, in his in his office. But that's the reflection. Our offices, um, our governmental offices, are always a reflection of the people who are in charge. Uh, so be that as it may, uh, I understand that Tom is uh, is ahead by several percentage points. Uh, and uh, I'm also very pleased, uh, not to make this uh, about me at all, uh, but uh, being a politician, I can't resist, Jay. Uh, I'm very pleased that people have been taking advantage of early voting, and with each successive period of um, early voting uh, or experience with early voting, more people are coming out to vote early. And that was my bill, and I'm very proud of it when I was chairman of the um, Elections Committee. So we will we will see. It's a fascinating race. Uh, and um, I, I don't know if you can persuade uh, all the folks who are sending tons of money to both uh, Mozzie and Tom uh, to maybe send some my way uh, on my next election, but I don't know if that's uh, permissible. Uh, Chuck, you. you got a uh, a treasure chest, from what I understand, a treasure chest. I should, but, uh, I should hope so. About <laughs> <laughs> a small Levine. treasure chest. <laughs> Chuck Levine with us uh, here on this Friday morning show. Uh, you know, affordable housing, it's a, it's a huge issue. And, you know, yes. this has been dissected every which way. And a lot of pushback as far as the leadership here on Long Island, especially in Suffolk County, as far as the original thought process of the governor, you know, the 800,000 units, Chuck, over a 10-year period, the problem was, where do you place it, you know? Uh, yes. And this is a big issue because Kathy Hochul knows that young people have left this state, 18-year-olds and, you know, plus. Uh, you want to be able to keep young folks here because that's how you grow, uh, and from an economic sense as well, you want to retain here. You don't want to see departure. 
Uh, that is a key aspect as far as what I see going forward here. What do you think? Um, I'm in complete agreement with you, shocking as that may seem, but I am in complete agreement with you. And I think uh, Governor Hochul uh, learned uh, from a previous budget, a budgetary experience, that um, um, it's not a one-size it's all uh, proposition when it comes to building homes. Uh, she has done a couple of things. She's concentrating on increased housing in the New York City area, uh, which is extraordinarily important because New York City is and has been uh, New York State's economic driver for uh, for all of time, actually. Uh, and she's also established a fund of, I believe it's $650 million to assist other communities outside New York City um, who want to develop additional housing. And certainly there's a lot of room for um, new housing on Long Island. And um, my opinion is this, uh, that unless we have more housing, the cost of housing is that we have is simply going to keep going through the roof, and that's unsustainable. And we do need to keep not only our young people uh, on Long Island, we need to keep everybody on, on Long Island who lives here, that's seniors, the middle class, the those who are better off, those who are uh, have economic challenges, who are struggling to become part of the American dream. And unless we have more affordable housing, it's not going to happen. And we simply do not have the housing stock uh, that we need to be able to provide for community because community it, community means we're all in this together, uh, young, old, those in the middle, um, and those from every economic uh, economic strata. So I, I'm giving her credit for learning as she goes, uh, and I'm all, I also like the idea of uh, enhance, uh, more housing stock in New York City, uh, which would be more affordable. And uh, I think that um, it's going to take us years uh, to get up to speed on this particular issue. And in the meantime, we're just going to have to soldier on. No question. Uh, Chuck Levine Willis, a couple of minutes. Um, you know, you know, listen, I've always had a problem with the MTA. Uh, I'm sure we've had discussions, you and I, in the past. Uh, I, I just don't like the way they do business. I, I don't like the way, Chuck, the hand is always out. Uh, you know, I always, always remember back in the day, the bailout, the Andrew Cuomo days, the $12 billion yes. and everything else. Uh, it's a mess. Now you got congestion pricing. There's so many questions regarding that. Uh, I feel for a lot of people, it's just unaffordable now to, to get into Manhattan. It will be. Um, I know there's a lot of attached costs. East Side Access, Grand, Grand uh, Central, Grand Terminal, over there. Yes. Uh, we know that there have been massive improvements. That's a good thing. Penn Station, massive renovation undergoing and everything else. I get it. But somehow, some way. I always get a sense that the MTA can never control its own. Whether you have the Long Island Railroad folks, people who say they're working, they're in Cabo St. Luca on vacation. Uh, you know, it's stuff like that. A time clock, a simple time clock, my goodness, that's not being utilized accordingly. I just have a problem with the MTA, and of course that's always slotted in the budget, and I get it. We know the importance of it, but Somehow, some way, they have to be held accountable. I just don't think there's ever full accountability as far as their operations are concerned. It's frustrating. Um, and what am I going to do? Tell you it's not frustrating? <laughs> it is. It is. Agree with me, it sir. is frustrating. Um, uh, this is 
whatever my insight may be worth, and that's always questionable. Uh, I have seen a tightening up uh, of the Metropolitan Transportation Authority over the last few years, um, and I've seen a lot of progress made. And of course, it is a multi-gazillion-dollar uh, enterprise. Uh, but I have seen progress, and I think that we have seen better service uh, for uh, our fellow Long Islanders uh, who utilize uh, mass transportation. And one way or another, we have to fund mass transportation, even though there's no doubt that there is a factor, there's a percentage, uh, too high a percentage of the money that's spent that is not being spent wisely. However, I do believe they're making progress. All right, let's let's keep an eye on that. Now, um, give me an idea. What does a Chuck Levine do for this uh, coming weekend? Uh, listen, we all all work and no play uh, is uh, not good for all of us. But with that being said, you got the big game and everything else. You're going to relax, take it easy, have a few chicken wings. I mean, what, what does the Levine clan do on a Sunday here with with the big game? Well, this Sunday starts with a meeting. Uh, uh, governmental meeting uh, late morning, uh, and then I'm expect to be in Westbury uh, for their arts council uh, exhibition, and then I'll be back at home, and we're having a few friends over um, to uh, to watch the Super Bowl, uh, and uh, the big debate in my house now is what are we going to serve them? So if you have any ideas, let me know. Well, I'm going to throw one at you. Uh, how Do about it. doing some sort of a nacho bar, taco bar, that type of thing? You know, I like that. I, that's you know, I I agree with you on that one too. What's happening to me in my old age? I'm agreeing with you more and more. What the heck is going on? Too many things. Uh, too many things, Chuck, going on here. It's very concerning to me of what what I'm witnessing here this morning. Uh, a I think a therapy session might be in store. But in essence, um, do you have a selection as a winner for Sunday's game? I think Kansas City. You like what do you think? Kansas? I, I like the 49. I like San Francisco. I, I say that because I always think about retribution, right? I yeah. think about what happened in 2019. I think it still stings. I, see, I think San Francisco has a cause here, and I think they will get to the, to the great quarterback and Mr. Mahomes, and it's going to be a close game, a high-scoring one, but I am going with San Francisco, my friend. How about that? I think it's going to be a great game. And yep. these are two great teams, and it never ceases to amaze me that Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, the last person drafted, is again going to have the opportunity for San Francisco to win another Super Bowl. I think that's just amazing. It is amazing. And Mr. Irrelevant, folks, it's the last player chosen in a draft. That's what Purdy was, and look at him now. <laughs> yes. It's, it, it, listen, he wins this. There will be a movie uh, coming out regarding him in the next couple of years, without question. Should uh, great there should be a movie it. regarding uh, Mr. Charles Levine because he's uh, getting it done for us here on this program. Chuck, listen, enjoy. Uh, put that work away. Get the Super Bowl going for yourself and relax, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. How's that? Thanks, my friend, and have a great day, and best to everyone who's involved in your production, your great production, and everyone who's listening. Take good care now. Thanks again. You got it. Bye-bye. Thank you, sir. Charles Levine.